Wow, awesome. Kia ora te iwi. Um, welcome to the first Sunday of Lent, uh, which is really exciting. Um, I actually only brought these book up, books up for Anna Kuzak. I know she's online. Um, I did save one for you, so just letting you know that. Um, and if Michael Webster's on there as well, he's probably not, but um, then I've also saved the book for you. So um, very good. I just want to make sure I cover that off. Um, we've, got a, we've got a slightly emptier room tonight with the Zoom. And so I like thrive on like feedback and I can't hear Josissi. So I know he's on screen, but I can't hear him. So you guys have to make up for the sound that uh, is lost when Josissi isn't here. So, um, so, so we just really encourage you guys, just, you know, if you, if you think anything's good, make a noise. Uh, if you think anything's bad, also make a noise. Um, so, um, um, oh, I don't want to know, to be honest. <laughs> um, um, well, welcome to the, um, yeah, so over the next six weeks um, of Lent, um, we will be journeying towards Good Friday, um, the commemoration of Jesus' crucifixion, the course, cr cross, and then um, three, day, three days later to Easter Sunday, um, the resurrection of Jesus. And along that journey, we stop at various different um, commemorative events of Jesus' journey to cross Palm Sunday and Monday Thursday. And I both love and hate this Lenten journey. Um, I love the beauty of the Lenten season, its new rhythms that we bring um, as, as we journey towards the cross. But for so many Lent seasons now, pretty much every single one that I can remember, it has been the hardest season of the year for me. It's been the hardest season of the year. It's a time of self-reflection, which turns into self-doubt, and in terms of the time where I see the brokenness within myself. Um, and, but it's also a distinct time of healing. Last Lent was a season where I, um, where for me, um, many chains were broken, um, and my relationship with God and myself was distinctly changed. Um, so yeah, what I want to bring today is um, like a bit around Lent, um, first um, to frame up the seasonal guide and the journey we're on. Um, at Blueprint over the next six weeks, and then from the scriptures today, um, a posture that I feel like God's leading us on as we approach Lent this year. Does that sound good for everyone? Yeah. Well, that's good because I didn't plan anything else. Um, um, I could improv it, I guess. Uh, well, um, late last year, I felt um, heavily on my heart um, this idea of the Stations of Cross, um, Stations of the Cross, as a journey for our community to go on. Um, so I, we created this beautiful um, seasonal guide, which Rose has promoted already, um, which is themed around the stations of the cross, um, tracking through the key moments in Jesus' journey towards the cross. Now, um, as Rosa said, they're normally a series of images. Um, and what these stations of the cross um, used to look like, as Rose kind of highlighted, were these halting places. They call them halting places, where people um, on their pilgrimage to Jerusalem would stop, take rest, reflect, and, and in the middle of their pilgrimage. So I, you know, I recently went on a tramp. We're just gonna, you know, just steal from that. Uh, recently on a tramp. Um, I was, um, and because of my um, lack of fitness, as Anika pointed out to me, um, we, she did. Um, 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 we had to stop quite a bit. Um, it was mainly because of me. Um, the people who had never tramped before, who were much better than I was. So, um, and so we had to stop quite a bit. But one of the beautiful things of stopping, and this is why I tell everyone else, um, one of the beautiful things that when we do stop is we're able to reflect on how far we came, where we were, and the beauty that we sat in. Yeah, the beauty that we sat in around us. So um, really, hopefully, um, God willing, we'll be able to do physical stations across during this Holy Week as a renewed community. Um, however, invite you to pick up one of the physical guides, um, one of the physical guides or the digital online one, and go for a walk, uh, maybe stop, reflect on what, where God is leading with, it, with you 
on that journey. So it's really encouraged that to be a physical embodiment in this time. Um, yeah, so we as a Blueprint community over the next six weeks um, of sermon series, and we'll do um, a different station of the cross, um, traveling through the book of Luke. And today we are looking at the passages, Luke 22, 39 to 46, where Jesus prays in the Mount of Olives in the Garden of Gethsemane. So I'm going to actually invite up Jacob, wherever he is, to do the reading. Come on, Jacob. Clapping. Just this bit, yes, Just do the present amount of all of us. The duality of man buns. Jesus went out as usual to the Mount of Olives, and his disciples followed him. On re reaching the place, he said to them, Pray that you will not fall into temptation. He withdrew about a stone's throw beyond them, knelt down, and prayed. Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me, yet not my will, but yours be done. An angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him, and beginning in anguish, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat was like the drops of blood falling to the ground. When he rose from prayer and went back to his disciples, he found them asleep, exhausted from sorrow. Why are you sleeping, he asked them. Get up and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. Take care for Jacob. The reading. <laughs> Jacob's been doing readings at our evening prayers, and I thought, what a great voice to do the reading tonight. So just letting you know, if you do any readings during evening prayers, I'm scouting. Um, so I've been reflecting and praying over this passage over the last two weeks, and I feel like this is such a powerful bit of scripture. Jesus knows that his time for the crucifixion is near and he retires away from his disciples and knelt down and began to pray. Jesus in his moment prepares for his crucifixion by kneeling down in prayer, setting aside time to be with his father. So coming back into study, um, as people know, I've talked about going to study. Um, I've been reminded of my days in university and um, my little rituals I would do before an exam. Um, I'll have the same breakfast, um, which is a soft-boiled eggs um, with soy sauce on toast, which is a really weird Malaysian um, breakfast, but that's my breakfast every exam morning. Same soft-boiled eggs on toast. Um, and I would blast the Billy Jean, uh, Billy Jean, Billy Joe song, um, We Didn't Start the Fire. I don't know why that, how that became a ritual, but it actually just legitimately every time before, I, um, before an exam, we didn't start the fire. And right before the exam, I'll turn it off. I turn off right before the exam, sit and pray in silence. That silence always felt prolonged, preparing me for the exam that was about to come. And I cannot imagine how that silence must have felt for Jesus as he knelt in preparation for his crucifixion. But what I do know is this, that his posture of preparation is that one Christ invites us into. So my first invitation is this, that Lent is a season where we set aside time and prepare. Lent is a time where we literally prepare for Holy Week, eventually culminating in Easter. During Lent, we are basically given a 40-day run-up to Easter, a period of waiting to celebrate in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. In New Zealand, Easter weekend is a long weekend where people um, head away with their families, which is really awesome. However, when I grew up in Malaysia, because we don't have a long weekend on that day, um, everyone was, was there. And so the home church in Easter was this massive celebration 
I remember performances. I think I was a East, I was a B in one of them as a child. I ran as a B. I, I don't know what the context for the thing required a B for, but I dressed up as a B and I ran across the stage. That's all I remember. Um, and we had huge performances. Um, performances and feasts. Um, the two things we love in Malaysia. Um, food and shows. Um, and while we didn't have the Lenten period in our church, I do remember this anticipation for Easter was always huge. People would be practicing for performances, organizing massive um, Easter feasts, and all in preparation to yell, he is risen, and reply, he is risen indeed. As I've adopted an observation of Lent, um, I've learned to set this, side, this time aside to bow before God each night um, in pre preparation for Easter and for the rest of the year as well. So my invitation, my first invitation is this, that we see, as we see Jesus retire to pray and prepare for his crucifixion, that we use Lent as a time to set aside and prepare our hearts and minds for Easter and the rest of the year ahead. So what does preparation look like? And I think we can find this in the prayer, and I want to focus on the prayer for the rest of this talk, is um, that prayer that Jesus prays. Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Yet not my will, but yours be done. Father, if you're willing, remove this cup from me. Remove this cup from me. Let's be clear. Jesus asked God to remove the cup of suffering, the crucifixion from him. In the Gospel of Matthew, the word says, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me. If it is possible at all, God, take this away from me. Take the burden of the cross away from me. Another name for this passage in the Bible is the agony in the gardens. It tells us that Jesus, as he prayed, um, it says, in his anguish, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. We often think of Jesus suffering on the day of his crucifixion and on the cross, but here we also see in Jesus in his prayer the night before, his wrestling with his humanity and feeling the agony of it. Tom Wright in his um, book, um, and this is a commentary on Mark, um, writes this. The scene is so intimate and frightening that we feel almost embarrassed to be onlookers. Jesus' own horror and the disciples' sleepy dismay are raw human emotion, naked and unadorned. When the great Greek philosopher Socrates went to his death, he was calm and in control throughout the process. His followers, though distort and in tears, remembered his steady teaching right up until the end. Not so with Jesus. The story is neither a Greek-style heroic tale nor a typical Jewish martyrdom. It is unique. And I feel like in this COVID time, this feels none the more applicable. And um, for myself, in the next few months, I have a few things that I'm really, really looking forward to, really, really want to happen. Um, for instance, one of those things is my sister's wedding um, in April. And I really want that wedding to go ahead. I really want that wedding to be able to go ahead. And I want to be there for my sister's wedding. I really want to be there for my sister's wedding. I pray that I can be there. I lay it out before God, my desire to be there. However, in the same season, I also grieve the reality that I don't know if I'll be able to go. I have to grieve the uncertainty and feel the fear that is around me in that. I lay my desire to be at my sister's wedding before God and grieve with Christ the uncertainty of it. Which is the second invitation I think we see in this. The second invitation in this Lenten season is that we are invited to lay out our desires before God, lay our desires before God and grieve with Christ. 
What I mean by laying out our desires before God and agreeing with Christ is to acknowledge the desires we have. Sometimes I feel like, um, maybe for myself, um, both in church and unchurched circles, it feels like it's wrong to desire want things for yourself. Um, that all we can ever want is for the mission. But we, what we know, do know is that in reality, we all have desires. We all have things we want. We see this in this passage. Jesus doesn't want um, doesn't want to travel the course across the, uh, in this moment. Doesn't want to travel the cross. Uh, travel to the cross. Desires that we sometimes have to grieve. Christ in this moment, um, yeah, desires not to have to go through with the crucifixion. How big is this? Jesus Christ, God's only begotten Son, sent to redeem the world, does not want to do the one thing that His life has been leading towards. He says to the Father, if it is possible, please take this cup from me. If it is possible, please take this cup from me. I think that, that there's an invitation in the same way in this Lenten season to pour our heart to God, pour our hearts to God, and ask for the things we deeply desire. And sometimes we have to grieve, like Christ does, grieve the things may not come to pass. My final invitation comes from, uh, the final invitation I see in the passage comes from the second half of that prayer. Jesus prays first, please let this cup be taken from me. Yet he then says, not my will, but yours be done. Not my will, but yours be done. At the very end of the day, this is the ultimate posture that I believe God, uh, God is inviting us to in the season of Lent. That when all is said and done, when we have laid out our desires before God, the deepest desires of our heart, and we've grieved with Christ the things that are uncertain and may not come to pass, we say, not my will, but yours be done. I, I really believe that Jesus in this moment knows God will, God's will for him is to still travel the road to Calvary, travel the road to the cross. Yet he, desire, he surrenders his deep desires before God and says, not what I want, but what you want, God. Not what I want, but what you want, God. What does it look like this Lent? What does it look like this Lent if we adopt the same posture as Jesus? Jesus kneels on the ground in surrender to, is in surrender to God. In Matthew, the writer says that Jesus, Jesus fell with his face on the ground. He adopts a posture of ultimate surrender. He adopts a posture that submits to the will of God above anything else. What does it look like to his Lent to submit to the posture that pours out all that we want and then says, not my will, but yours be done? So I'm actually going to invite the worship team up. I don't have too much more to share. Um, if you can come up. And as, as they play, um, I want to invite you um, both on um, people who are at home um, and people here. Um, if, you, if it's appropriate, if you're, you're able to, if you feel comfortable with it, um, to spend this time in, um, yeah, in a kneeling position, if that's yours. And, and invite you in this time, if that is possible for you, um, whether in your hearts or physically, to kneel. Um, invite you to lay before God the things you deeply desire, allowing yourself to grieve what you need to grieve. And then as you, as you, then as you lay each desire before God, speak aloud or in your heart, not my will, but yours be done. Not my will, but yours be done. So as the worship band um, tinkers away, I invite you to, yeah, if, um, if you feel willing um, to, to kneel before God, um, either in our hearts or, yeah, physically.